Sometimes people debate whether or not a sequel is better than the original movie. You know, you get sequels like Terminator 2, which overshadows any movie in the Terminator franchise, especially the original. Or Spider-Man 2, which I think is the far superior Spider-Man of the Sam Raimi uh, trilogy, and way better than the original itself. Then there are some sequels that just don't live up to the hype. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, or House Party 2, which was nowhere near as fun as House Party 1. So why am I bringing this up? Well, today I'm going to talk to you about one of my favorite sequels of all time. Please do! Back in the 80s, it seems like Charles Band was like the man with a million ideas. He created Puppet Master, Demonic Toys, Ginger Dead Man, and yeah, I said that right, Ginger Dead Man. If you're a fan of Gary Busey, you need to go check that shit out because it is just as wild as you would assume. But one of my favorite creations of his is the Ghoulies. Now, when you look at the Ghoulies or you think of the Ghoulies, you, the first thing you think of is what are these, just some kind of dollar store, dollar tree ripoff of the gremlins? And yeah, you are right. But there's a special, there's a certain charm about the ghoulies that always drew me to them. But first, the thing that always caught my eye was the cover art. Anytime you saw a ghoulies movie, it had that little fish monster, the fish ghoulie, and he was coming out of the toilet. The first cover had him by himself, the second cover had a couple more of those little monsters and he had a little overalls on, kind of like Chucky. But it was just, to me those movies were a good time, especially the second one, and that's the one we're talking about today. Now being a kid when I saw this, I was kind of creeped out, you know, it was like little monsters, not the Howie Mandel little monsters, but they were just like little creatures I guess. And HBO always played some of the weirdest shit. And it, to me, it was always a good time. HBO was, and that's all I'm about sometimes when I watch movies. It's, it's having a good time. It doesn't matter what it is. HBO always played Short Circuit 2. Or <laughs> I used to watch Autopsy just to creep myself out. Because I always felt like the, the narrator was on that Robert Stack level of creepiness. And they also played Stay Tuned. You know, that, that uh, John Ritter movie where he handled surfs physically through... A satellite dish that he was given to by Satan himself. That movie's fucking amazing. But this movie came on one late night. I caught it right to where, you know, midway through, and I just fell in love with it. And <laughs> to me, once again, you don't have to watch the first movie to get this. So the beginning of this movie really starts out with a man just running away from a couple druids that look like they belonged in Spaceballs. And they're chasing him. 
he decides to throw the sack of ghoulies wherever he got them into a barrel of acid. Now, I've seen enough movies to know that chemicals are not going to work on on something, you know, otherworldly, I guess you can say. Kind of like when they tricked Pennywise into thinking that he was uh, getting battery acid sprayed in his face and it was just a, a fucking inhaler. What a What an idiot. Yeah, I went there. When I recommend this movie to people, just anybody who asks me, hey, I, I want to see something stupid, I always tell them Ghoulies 2. Now, the first thing they say was, why not the first one? Oh, well, the first one just isn't as fun as the second one. And this is one of those rare occurrences to where you're not going to, uh, what's the word? What, what is what I'm looking for? You don't have to look at the first one to get what's going on. You're not going to be lost. You, you're not going to sit there and think to yourself, oh, well, you know, I, I don't get it. No, you will get it. it. It does not follow the first one. It is not canon, just like the rest of the sequels. And I feel like the studio knew that this movie was going to be fun. And the investors knew that this one was going to, it was just going to be a good time. Just because it was the only theatrical release of any of the sequels. So I think that they knew, like, hey, we got something on our hands and uh, we need to capitalize on it. So when the ghoulies themselves find their way out of that barrel of acid, which didn't work, but they find their way out of the barrel of acid and they hitchhike themselves onto a carnival, a traveling carnival attraction named Satan's Den. And this carnival attraction is ran by uh, Uncle Ned. His name is Uncle Ned. He's played by an actor named Royal Dano. And I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. But if you don't recognize him, you probably will if you've seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space. He's, the, you know, he's that old farm guy who tried to act tough while naming his dog Pooh Bear. You'll see him at the beginning. Or on a more kid-friendlier movie named Space Invaders. You know, where the little aliens, they have different Americanized outfits. One of them sounds like, like Jack Nicholson, and he's dressed like a pilot. And they all have heads shaped like watermelons. Just a fucking strange movie, but I love that movie also. He Uncle Ned is also a practicing magician. That kind of plays out into the movie a little later on. He's accompanied by his nephew, Larry. What a boring name Larry is. And I apologize if anybody's named Larry, but Jesus Christ, that's just such a boring name. Now, rounding out their group is Sir Nigel. Sir Nigel is played by Paul Fondacaro. Now, if, if uh, you haven't recognized him, if you've ever seen... Tales from the Crypt, Bordello of Blood. He's in it. He's one of my favorite little actors of all time. And he plays, you know, he's he's just pretty much, he helps out Satan's den. He's like a good friend to uh, Uncle Ned and Larry. Now, his role is, uh, it's kind of messed up somewhere down the line because there are a lot of little people jokes thrown at him. Um, I'm probably going to hell for laughing at some of them, but... You know, I, I kind of get it. It was the 80s. It was a different time. So I guess some jokes weren't as uh, as taboo as they are now. The carnival gets set up and some girl loses her cat. She's wandering around looking for it. And she actually is our first victim. Uh, Satan's den is already set up. And I'm just going to add this uh, tidbit, I guess. Satan's den looks fucking awesome. Uh, this that that attraction looks way better than what you would assume. It looks a lot better than these shitty haunted houses we have here at the carnivals here in San Antonio when we have our 
or shitty syphilis infested in fiesta, you know, or, you know, where you go into the haunted house and you come out on child support. It's the fucking shithole, you know, when we have carnivals. But this carnival looks awesome. Uh, it's got its freak shows. It's got its uh, strong man who doesn't look strong. I think he's just using old man strength. But Satan's Den does not pull any punches. It, it, it looks like it spares no expense. It looks very well put together. Well, she loses her cat. And one of my favorite ghoulies is the cat ghoulie. He really, I don't think he really has too much of a name. But he's meowing. And they're really tricking her into thinking, oh, my cat's in there. She goes in there. And they immediately bombard her and they attack her, uh, basically killing her. So she turns out to be our first victim of the movie, which to me, it's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. This is, this kind of sets the tone. And when I mean sets the tone, I mean like comedic tone. This movie is not straight horror. It's not straight in your face, seriousness horror, obviously. But it's just one of those like, okay, this is, this is how the kills are going to go. This is going to be hilarious all the way through. I mean, I don't even know what else to say about the, the kills in this movie then. Jeez, they really they really thought outside the box with a lot of these. We also meet the new owner of the carnival, Mr. Harding. And Mr. Harding is looking at all the profits, all the numbers, just as every every owner should. And he feels like Satan's Den is underperforming. I don't know how. That place looks fucking awesome. And I'm not going to stop bragging about it. So he goes to Larry and Ned and says, hey, I'm going to shut this shit down tonight. If you don't make a profit now, Larry is, uh, he's got a little crush on a, a belly dancer named Nicole. Now she is a, just, just, uh, you know, she can't belly dance for shit. I'm sorry. I, I, I've never really paid attention to belly dancing, but I, I she reminds me of, uh, her dancing actually reminds me of Bart Simpson. Either that, that one episode where he was bang, bang, Bart. Where they had like this uh, future vision of him being a stripper. Blown away by Bang Bang Bart. You're fat. Just more made of love, honey. Oh, my poor baby. So the ghoulies set up shop inside of Satan's den. Oh, easy, right? They're in a haunted house. They're fucking ghoulish creatures. Why not, right? Our first two customers of Satan's Den are these two boys. Uh, one of them is going around thinking he's a fucking hard ass and he's hitting all the props, trying to show off to his friend. And he's like, oh, that's fake. This doesn't scare me. Until the rat ghoulie shows up and shows himself. And then the kid's like, oh, he fucking takes out a st uh, throwing star like he's fucking Shinobi. He throws it at the rat ghoulie. Rat ghoulie catches it. And he takes a bite out of it. And I'm like, wow, this is fucking... If that hasn't hooked you onto this movie, I don't know what else. A fucking throwing star. What else are we going to get in this movie, right? Well, we meet punks later on. Now, 80s punks are always... They all look the same. They all kind of look like they were taken out of Streets of Rage. And these punks come in. And they're trying to pay their fee. And Larry stops them as they're paying their fee and tells the head punk, the leader, I guess, of the group, Hey man, you can't wear, uh, you can't bring your boombox in here. And what group like that wouldn't be complete without a nerd? And his fucking loser nerd who's wearing his, who's wearing a brown vest. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. He turns around, he tells Larry, "Hey, he doesn't go anywhere without his tunes." <laughs> 
Suck his dick. Jeez, like, what are you even there for in the first place? But he's got a fucking brown vest. Uh, need I say more? Fogel, shut the fuck up. And take off your vest. You look like Aladdin. Okay. Now, Satan's den is now the fucking place to be. The ghoulies have now, you know, tricked everybody into thinking that they are part of the show. Uh, the kids go around, those two boys go around, start telling everybody, hey, you guys got to go check this shit out. Everybody starts showing up. Now Satan's Den's fucking making money. One of my favorite scenes on here is the crowd assumes they actually have a crowd around them. Sorry. They actually have a crowd around them in one, inside of one of the, the levels of the haunted house. And they think that they're magical rats. So they're cheering them on and two ghoulies give each, they give each other a high five. That's just one of the scenes that when I show my wife and she's like, oh, my God, I cannot believe I'm watching this bullshit. And there I am with the biggest smile on my face as if I met Santa Claus when I was five. One of the cool things about Satan's Den is they, I don't know if they're uh, if they intended it to be this way, but the props in there apparently are legitimately like working and the ghoulies use them to their advantage because they're they stretched out that nerd with the stupid vest, you know, that Aladdin vest. And uh, he's actually being stretched. They have a guillotine that, that they put somebody in. There's a fucking table with a swinging axe over it. You know, it was just like, wow, these people, like, are, is everybody that fucking gullible? But who knows? Now, Uncle Ned is, uh, he's obviously drunk. He's taking a nap. He notices one of the ghoulies. Now, like I said, he is like some sort of practicing magician and has a has his hand on an old book looks like a little notepad with uh black magic stuff on it so he's trying to send them back because he's like wait a minute these things are full of shit i need to send them back so he you know he tries his best and he dies in the process he gets electrocuted and upon further investigation because now the cops are involved because the nerd his friends now are like, oh, well, let's go get the cops because he's missing. We need to go back in there. They go in there and they find Ned dead. Uh, I'm not trying to rhyme like Dr. Seuss, but they find him. He's there. He's he's obviously gone. And Mr. Harding, the owner, tells everybody, well, he had a drinking problem. He must have fucking stumbled and fell and he died. Which is, a you know, he's just trying to save his business, but it's still fucking wrong regardless. After Ned's death... The ghoulies start to venture out. Now they are out in the open in the middle of this carnival when they start showing you the little hint of the gremlins inspiration. They're going around. They're fucking having a good time. They're eating up all the popcorn. They're playing carnival games against one another. They're getting mad at each other. Uh, you know, they're just having a grand old time. Well, they they run over a woman with a with a bumper car. I don't even know what to say to that. I don't even know if that's even physically possible, but they run over her. Uh, one of my favorite kills is the one that sends everybody into a frenzy uh, is the uh, dunk tank. Now, they have a clown sitting in a dunk tank, and you know the old trope. You know, you got dunk him in, and everybody laughs at him. Ha ha, what an asshole I am for laughing at the clown. Well, everybody's doing that. He falls in, everybody's laughing at him like dickheads, and then all this blood fills up the pool. So now everybody's just like goes into a panic and the ghoulies are out there just terrorizing everybody now. Larry, Nicole, and Sir Nigel have Uncle Ned's magic book, wherever he found that, and they know how to get rid of these ghoulies for good. 
While everyone is panicking, Mr. Harding, the owner of the whole carnival, decides that he wants to take a shit. I didn't write this movie. I'm just talking about it. But anyways, he's uh, he decides he wants to go take a shit. So he takes a shit in one of the toilets and he sits down. And now finally we have a movie that lives up to its cover art. And the ghoulie, the little pea-headed one, the fish ghoulie, comes out of the toilet, bites him right in the fucking, in the dirt, the taint, whatever you want to call it, gets him right there, which is one of the better scenes in the movie. Uh, just check it out. They don't really show too much, but you can, you get the, you, you get the gist of it. So one of the, so they summon, really, they summon this, uh, this ultimate fish ghoulie. He must be about 10 feet tall and he's going around just devouring all the rest of the ghoulies just swallowing them whole and one of the messed up parts is he's not done yet he he's eaten them all he's not done and he looks at sir nigel i'm assuming that he thinks that he's one of them also because of his height so now everybody's trying to get this uh this thing away from sir nigel and they decide well hey let's just let's trick it and stuff a little small gorilla outfit with Molotov cocktails and he'll eat it. Well, he ate it. He exploded. They saved a day. Nothing special. Nothing to go home and, and rant and rave about unless you're a lover of these movies like myself. But he explodes. And, you know, that's pretty much basically the end of the movie there. But there's a little scene right before the credits, uh, maybe a little bit after the credits. And that toilet, you can hear sounds of laughter. Meaning that they're probably trying to, you know, he left one of the ghoulies behind. Now, my little theory is he wasn't done after he, you know, obviously he ate the, the rest of the monsters. He ate them and knew that he had one more left. So he went after the closest uh, uh, person, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, uh, that resembled them. And just because of height, Sir Nigel was probably, he probably fit that bill. But I think he was just going after his final ghoulie and he ate him. Uh, well, he wanted to eat him. And that pea-headed one, the fish, the smaller fish ghoulie, survived. So they really set up part three, which has, once again, it's one of those, I feel like each movie in this whole saga is just a one-off. Part three has nothing to do with part two. Um, I would recommend it if you're really, really bored and you see it surfing somehow and it's like ghoulies three, ghoulies go to college. And yeah, it is exactly what, what it means. They go to college and they, they act like fraternity guys. But I, you know, this movie to me is just always one of my favorite sequels of all time. It's also one of my favorite movies that I can just watch. Now, everybody's got that one movie that, that they can watch over and over and over. And I have multiple of those. And, you know, I'm not going to reveal them all because I'm probably going to do episodes on them as well. But this Ghoulies 2, you can catch it on HBO Max. They actually have that on there. And HBO Max is not something, it's not a service that it's, it's hard to get anymore. AT&T is practically giving it away. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are looking forward to the Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Um, you know, and a lot of their big budget movies that are like Godzilla's coming out. Godzilla vs. Kong, I guess is what it is. Um, you know, HBO Max is just, I have it. I got it. And I don't have to pay extra for it because... I have AT&T as a service. So they, like I said, they're basically giving it away for free. Um, Scream Factory created a Blu-ray out of it. They're 2Ks. You know, if you're a, an audiovisual person like myself, it's not a, it's not a 4K movie, but it's a 2K uh, transfer. 
And the movie looks really good. It looks better than it even deserves to be looked. Um, which is kind of, kind of strange, you know. Uh, uh, Trick or Treat Studios is finally giving the ghoulies their respect. Because they are now releasing puppets of them. Uh, they're on pre-order and I cannot wait to pre-order those bad boys. I showed my wife and she was already like, no, uh, you're not going to. I'm not going to let you have them. Uh, I don't know who the hell pays the bills around here. But she told me the same thing, too, about the Trick or Treat Studios Good Guy doll. And first thing she said is, you better not buy that or I'm throwing that in the trash. Well, it's sitting a little bit across from me, like probably like five feet away. And it's been here for a little over a year. So uh, joke's on her, right? She's not going to listen to this podcast so I can say everything that I want. And she's not home at the moment, so I'm not going to get in too much trouble. (laughs) But... As always, you can catch me on Instagram on slash underscore Morris. You can catch the podcast page at slash underscore vision underscore TV. I will link them both in, uh, you know, the podcast page. Uh, you know, not that bad. They're always connected to each other. And as usual, see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>